turn with me to the book of Proverbs, chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 14. A lot of Christians nowadays, modern Christianity, a lot of people do not teach uh, from the Old Testament. And, and they're doing their people a disservice. And we too, likewise, as Christian individuals, if we're not reading the Old Testament, we're doing ourselves a disservice. So one of the things God wants to speak to us, and a lot of the Old Testament was written for our learning. How do I know this? Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, For whatever things that were written before were written for our learning, that we, speaking of the church, through the patient and comfort of the Scriptures, might find hope. You see, there's a lot to learn from Israel's history through the Word of God. How God deals with His people then, but how about now? God still speaks to His people. Are His people any different than they were of old? I don't think so. But the Bible says that God is the same yesterday today and forever. So shouldn't we be concerned when it comes to matters of sin and holiness? You know, we see a a lack of reverence, a lack of holiness today amongst even those proclaiming Christians. But here in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 5, it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom and lend your ear to my understanding. So, first off, we see that God speaks in relationship of child and father relationship. How do we become sons and daughters of God? A lot of people believe that we're all children of God. In a creation sense, we are. But the Bible says in John chapter 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him... To them, he gives the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And Ephesians chapter one says that we will get an inheritance. You see, I grew up in the church. I I started going to church and I was age seven. Uh, You know, I went through all the children's ministry. I went through the high school and uh, I was a young adult kind of in the ministry. And I really didn't know the Lord till I was 26. You see, you could be raised in a physical church, but you have to be born into it. I wasn't part of the church until I was born again and gave my heart to the Lord. So you see, heaven is a perfect place. Heaven is a perfect place. And for one to go to heaven, you have to be perfect. That's what Jesus taught. You can only go to heaven if you're perfect. Well, that's a high standard. We know on our our best day that we miss the mark of moral perfection. And that's what sin means. Sin means we miss the mark of moral perfection. We fall short. And we're undeserving. We cannot earn heaven. And that's why we need a Savior. That's why God himself, the price was so high that God himself put on skin like a hand puts on a glove, lived a perfect life and was tortured on your behalf so that you can be accepted in him 
and have new life and everlasting life. That's the gospel. You see, the bad news is we are sinners and we need a Savior. And God offers that free gift. And when we accept that free gift, God calls us His children. Why? We are born again. Not of our own flesh, of the Spirit. But God says here, in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1, My children, pay attention to my wisdom. And lend your ear to my understanding. You see, the phrase here, pay attention to my wisdom, is an expression taken from animals. You ever see a German shepherd or floppy-eared dog? Uh, you know, something gets his attention and what happens? His ears go up, right? We were at the treat this, retreat this weekend and there was a guy sitting behind me and he drew a picture of me from behind. I go, oh yeah, I know those ears. They're up. But that is how we should have an attention for the Lord, to hear His Word. Are, are, are we, do we have, does He have our attention? That, is that, uh, that expression is taken from animals, to have the ears up. And in the second part, He says, lend your ear, or bow your ear, and that's a reference of stretching the ear out. You can see my ears are pretty stretched. But... It's a, it's a picture of an attitude of, are you listening? Am I listening to God? Not like he wants to pull me by the ears, but am I giving him my ear? Am I bowing my ear to him to listen to what he has to say? You see, we're called to give ourselves wholly to what God is going to say here. He's saying, pay attention to my wisdom. He says, pay attention and lend your ear to my understanding. You see, the Bible says his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are higher than ours. Who can know it? So God here says, pay attention, my children. Why? It's important. And we have to understand where God's coming from. God's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows what you're going to experience tomorrow and next week, next year. Even if we got next year, he knows. So he wants you to pay attention to his wisdom. He's always he's also omnipresent. He's here. We're to have a relationship with him. But he's also omnipotent. He's all powerful. And as sons and daughters, we have to ask ourselves this question. I asked myself this question this week. Do I give portion of my time to him daily to mow over or think about or ponder what he says in Scripture? Am I listening? Am I even showing up? Am I, am I spending time with him? Am I paying attention? Am I lending my ear? Am I coming humble to him? By reading the scriptures. For as Christian, as, as his children, we should desire to gain from his rich wisdom. He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knows what I need. So I should have a desire to gain from the riches of our father's wisdom. 
He wants to give us so much. But do we pay attention, are our ears up? Do we approach God in a humble manner, stretching our ear out in a humble attitude to learn? You see, as sons and daughters, both young and old, God wants you to pay attention to His wisdom. And that wisdom I'm about to relay to you this morning. God says, pay attention. Verse 2 says that you may preserve discretion and your lips may keep knowledge. So number one, that you may preserve discretion. That is a term to keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. Or to be aware. God wants you to keep your guard up. He wants you to be aware. He wants you to install safety measures into your life to protect you from evil. That's how much He loves you. He doesn't want you to fall. He doesn't want evil to overtake you. So He's saying, keep your guard up. Be aware. Instill safety measures in you by My Word to protect your life from evil. Number two, we need to understand as God's children... That going to the Word of God daily, God will teach us. God will teach us things that we need for our life, relationships, how to live. You see, God promises to give us discretion. Discretion is what we need to make wise choices. And a lot of times we get into a lot of trouble because we're not making our decisions based upon God's word. I'm I'm going on my feelings. I'm following my heart. And that's not good. My my heart is not omniscient. It's not all knowing. We make mistakes when we don't do things. Our choices according to God's word. Number three, we need to pray as God's children to seek out God's knowledge daily. You see, for it will clearly and continually be manifested. If you're in God's word, it will be manifested by the choices you're making and the things you say. It'll be reflected in your conduct and your words. Number four, as God's children, we should pray for God's knowledge And that it would be continually on our lips. But turning to verse 3 through 14, we come to a a portion of Scripture that we might overlook. And say that, well, that doesn't apply to me because it's going to have to deal with immorality. Immorality. Verse 3 says, For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey. Her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. So, one of the things we have to think about is, what was the first seduction in the Bible? The first seduction. We turn over to chapter uh, 3 of Genesis, and we see Eve was seduced to sin. And sin here is like an immoral woman portrayed here in the text. 
You see, we all have a, a bait box. We all have drives, and I call it the bait box. Uh, one of the things is this morning I saw a group of guys. It was a, there was a bag of donuts on the counter, and about four guys rushed the donuts. You know, they were driven to eat the donuts. They had a drive. We all have a drive. It's called the heart. The heart is, the heart is deceitfully wicked. We have, we're, we're prone to sin. We're drawn to sin like bugs to a light. And I was thinking this week, if I, and if I go like that and I, I'm calling, what am I calling? I'm calling a dog. If I go here, kitty, 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 what am I calling? I'm calling a cat. If I go here, kitty, 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 the dog's not coming, right? The cat's coming. But you see, that's the call that they know. And each of us has a, a bait box. And the enemy knows what your bait is. We just have different flavors. It's just in a different wrapper. And the enemy wants us to sin. Temptation. Know your bait box. Proverbs chapter 4 says, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments, God says, and live. That's how important the word of God is to the believer. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 25 says, do not lust after her beauty in your heart. Let her not allure you with her eyelids. But speak of, think of that in the terms of sin. And what is your flavor of bait? Don't let it allure you. Why? Because it has that effect. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 19 says, The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. That's God's commentary on your heart. Don't follow your heart. Follow God. He said, Desperately wicked, who can know it? God knows it. He knows it. That's why God's warning us. That's why God's saying, lend your ear, pay attention. Because He loves us that much. All through the Old Testament, and especially Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 8, God likens His people to a, a wife. And God likens the sin of backsliding Israel to a wife who has committed adultery. Israel committed adultery. And it says they went and played the harlot with other gods. If I put anything in front of God in my priorities in my life, that's my God. And I play the harlot. I commit spiritual adultery. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse, uh, verse 14. God said even the prophets of Jerusalem were doing a horrible thing. They, they committed adultery by Listen to this. By walking in lies, they also strengthened the hands of evildoers. And they didn't return from their wickedness. They were kind of like Sodom and Gomorrah. And this is God talking about his people. God help us that we're not like that people. We need to learn. You see, the church, see, I'm the part of the church. The building's not the church. You're the church. Each one of you, and myself included, we're the church. 
In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, Jesus speaking to the churches and he starts naming them by name and he tells them, I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know I know this and I know that. Why? Because he's omniscient. He knows all things. But he says to the church in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. He says, you have left your first love. And I have to think of myself, I'm the bride. What kind of bride am I to the Lord? Am I spending time with him? Do I love him? Am I listening to him? Do I have a relationship with him? I got to ask myself and you too, church, what kind of relationship do you have with God? Is he number one? But here the description of honey, dripping honey, sin is like dripping honey. Smoother than oil. With sins, with sin, things are never what they appear. You see, sin gives a false promise. Sin will give you a false promise. It lies to you. Verse 4 says, But in the end, she is as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. You see, temptation has a pull. But at the end, it's, it's just a fantasy. I'm, I'm, it's, it's a fantasy. It's not real. When it comes to sin, we'll find out that it's just a facade. It says here, you will be left with wormwood. And wormwood is a very nauseous, unpleasant poison. That's what sin is in reality. Sin is a nauseous, unpleasant poison that will kill you. Here God says also it's like a sharp sword that gives a clean, smooth puncture. You might not feel it. You might feel a pinch going in. You might feel the pinch of sin in your life. But it's doing internal damage. And it's going to cut and it's going to hurt you coming going in and it's going to cut you going out. The after effects of sin will affect you the most. But here in the text, God warns us that we need to keep our distance as Christians. We need to keep our distance from immoral people and things that have a seductive draw. There are things in your life that have a seductive draw to take you away from the Lord. How do I know this? The word of God says it. They will eventually entice you to make you stumble, Christian. Even the psalmist in Psalms 119, 133, the psalmist prayed. This was his prayer. Lord, direct my steps by your word and let not sin or iniquity have dominion over me. Why did he pray this? Because the psalmist knew sin will eventually dominate him and then lord over him. So we have to be careful not to be baited by flattery. Our sin or whatever our bent is, is going to flatter us. Why? To draw us away. It's going to tell us sweet things. But here in verse 5, it says, Her feet go down to death and her steps lay hold of hell. 
Sin will lead you on a downward death march. A downward death march. To follow her down the death's death's path, its foundation. What is it? What is sin? It's, It's deception. It's deceiving you to bring you down. Verse 6 says, Least you ponder her path of life. Her ways are unstable. You do not know them. Pondering her path. Thinking too much about it. You got that temptation and then you start thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. Pretty soon you're right there. Sin, Sin always promises fun. Sin always promises a good time. But sin never shows you its true nature. Sin never shows you its true nature. Sin leads to instability. You're going to be unstable in your relationships when you're in sin. And amongst other things. It says her ways are unstable. You do not know them. You see, God knows them. And God wants you to keep you from succumbing to these things. Why? Because God has a better advantage point. He could see the damage right in front of you that you don't see because you're flirting with sin. He sees. Why? He's omniscient. He has a better advantage point. So here in verse 7, it says, Therefore, in light of all these things... Hear me now, God is pleading again. Hear me now, my children, do not depart from the words of my mouth. Man, here God is beckoning, God is calling, God is uh, telling His children not to depart from my words. His words are that important to us. Me reading the Word of God is important to me. Why? Because God says it. It'll benefit you. It'll protect you. So I want to encourage you, be in the word. But here again, God is stressing the importance of paying attention to his word, his wisdom. Why? Because he wants to spare us the shame of deception. The shame of deception. Also the pain of emotion, of being emotionally wounded. You see, your sin will leave scars in your life. That will remain and be reminders of the mistakes you made. I know. I know my sin. And if not remedied, if not repented of, it could be eternally fatal for you. That's God. God doesn't want anyone to perish. But while we are breathing, church, we, it's not too late to repent. I know I was 26 years old when I... I repented of my sin. But he says here in verse 8, remove your foot, remove your way from her, far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. So that's good wisdom. God said, remove your way far from her. Don't flirt with sin. We can't flirt with sin. Number two, don't go near her door. What God is saying is basically don't set yourself up for the fall. If you know you have a problem, don't go there. Why? Because you're going to give in and you're going to fall. 
And God warns us. But here in verse 9, it says, Least you give your honor to others and your years to the cruel one. Number one, sin will cause you to lose your self-respect. I know. You know, in my younger years, I thought I was cool and, you know, I was partying in mansions and, you know, driving nice cars and stuff. And my sin brought me to a place of mansions, but I ended up doing drugs in a dumpster in alleys. That's how bad it got me. No loss, loss of self-respect. Sin will bring you down. Number two, we don't know how long the effects of sin we will have to bear. Those things that we do, we don't know how long it'll affect us, how, how long we have to bear it. How do I know this? The Bible says the sword did not depart from David's house. David's sin stuck around. In other words, his shortcomings, his sin with Bathsheba affected his family and had long-term effects on his children. And God is warning us to think. Think about these things. Don't play around with sin. And verse 10 says, Least aliens be filled with your wealth and your labor go to the house of a foreigner. God's simply saying someone else is going to enjoy what was intended to bless you. Somebody else is going to reap the the benefits of your labors. In verse 11 says, as regret sets in, because when we we go through the temptation thing, and then we give in to it, and then we have consequences, but then we feel the effects of regret. Regret. I start regretting. And look in the verse here. It says, And you mourn at last when your flesh and your body are consumed. You see, God warns that sin will have an effect on your body. You could get a a physical or venereal disease. Sin has effects. Sin, both physical and spiritual, have consequences. There's a long-term effect when it comes to sin. We might think we'll get away with it, but the long-term effect, if not repented, is hell. And there's a lot of people in hell with regret. And regret. Just like it says here in verse 12 through 13. He has regret. He says... And how I have hated instruction and I despise correction. I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. Basically, how did I come to this? He knows. He knows his error. This is speaking of somebody who knows his error. We have to understand that sin has consequences. But here in the text, the one whose effect sin has, has given to their sin, is reaping the consequences of sin, is now in a state of regret, but he's become a great teacher. He says, oh, I, how I have hated instruction. My fault is because I'm not listening to the instructions of God's word. 
Number two, my heart despised correction. I think I'm right. We don't want to change. We don't we think we're right. The book of Judges, you read the book of Judges and it says there rose a generation who in whose eyes they all believed they were right. No one was wrong and we're living in that society today where everyone thinks they're okay with God because they're thinking on their level. They're not thinking on his level. They don't want correction. I don't want you to correct me. You're judging me. Yeah, God is going to judge us. That, that should fear, we should be in, in fear of that. But he says, my heart despised correction. I, I have to have a teachable heart. Number three, he says, I have not obeyed the voice of my teachers. Nor inclined my ear to those who instructed me. Basically, they weren't really listening to the Bible study. They weren't really listening to the word. It was not having an impact on them. You see, biblical application, when you're hearing a message from Pastor Joe or a biblical teacher, biblical teaching always comes with crossroads. I have to make a decision. Which way to go? Am I going to apply it? Or am I going to reject it? Am I going to take it to heart? Because a lot of the time... People listen to messages and they think, oh man, this is for that person. No, it's for you. Maybe not right now, but later. I remember I didn't have a problem with certain things. And I said, man, I don't have a problem in that area. I have a problem in this area. I knew what I had a problem with. And then I got a handle in that area and then another. And then I have a problem in that area. But God's instructions are a crossroads. I have to listen I have to be in the word of God, but I have to listen to biblical teaching. Truth. Which way to go? Am I pondering the message? I want to encourage you when you hear a message, ponder about the message. Don't just leave. Think about it. When the altar call is going on, think about it. Where am I with the Lord? You see, we need to ponder the application of the word just like we ponder sin it's beckoning us it's calling us it's alluring us it's drawing us but the word of god too is is drawing us to come to that understanding where i need you lord give me that wisdom help me to cling to it but verse 14 says i was on i was on the verge of total ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. You see, we have to be honest when it comes to sin. Here, God is speaking to His children. We need to, we need to number one, we need to keep a realistic view of the nature of sin. It's always bitter in the end. No matter how sweet it sounds, it's always bitter in the end. Number two, we need to watch out that we're not feeding our egos by subconscious, subconsciously repeating immoral fantasies 
on how good it's going to be. How good it's going to be. Man, if I only had this, how good it's going to be. You see, the enemy will always paint a beautiful picture of sin. He'll repeat the mantra, you're missing out. You're missing out. No one's going to find out. No one's going to find out what you're doing. Just a little bit. You see, it's just a matter of time. Number three, we need to keep a mental note that whatever we reap, we're going to sow. If I sow to the flesh, I'm going to reap of the flesh corruption. That's what the Bible teaches. So as a believer, I need to be in the word so that I could reap the benefits of listening and following God's instruction and gaining wisdom. I need to keep a mental note in my mind. We always reap what we sow. It's just a matter of timing. It's just a matter of timing for the sprout comes out. You know, when God is dealing with you regarding sin, he's usually doing it with you in private. He's doing it with you in private saying, hey, you need to get right. You have a conscience and your conscience is saying, I'm doing wrong. And then you, I can't do that. I can't do that. He's dealing with you. Why? Because he loves you. And then you start playing around and somebody in your family notices or some friend notices and they catch you. And then you, I'm sorry, Lord. And then you start dabbling in it again. God's going to expose you publicly next time. God will expose us publicly next time. That's why I have to have a sensitive heart when I'm alone in my office. This week, I was on my knees. This week, the Lord was speaking to me. This message is for me. On my knees. You see, sin has a... Number four, sin has a desire to bring you down. Sin has a desire to bring you down so that you can lose everything that God has graciously given you. The enemy wants to rip you off. Rob, kill, and destroy you. Number five, sin is cruel. Sin is cruel. It will inflict you with inward, lifelong pain. And it will leave you with the leftover baggage of emotional trauma. I know. I know. Sin will afflict, afflict you. It's cruel. Number six, Sin not only will, your sin will not only affect you, it will be, it will leave behind collateral damage. Collateral damage. The marks will be on your loved ones and those closest to you. We learned this from David. Number seven. Sin's final destination is hell. Sin, if not repented of, will lead us straight to hell. Number eight, I pray that we don't take, as Christians, don't take sin lightly, both physical and spiritual, on a spiritual level. We need to pray that we are 
heeding the wise biblical warnings of our Father. He wants to give us counsel to keep us from total ruin. That's God. God God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants wants you to, to finish well. Pastor Joe said this last week, to be careless leaves us vulnerable when it comes to sin. Guard your heart and guard your mind. Guard your heart and guard your mind. And it's true what they say about this book. That sin, this book will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from this book. I need to be in the word of God. I need to pray, Lord, give me a hunger and a thirst for your word. You see, God wants to give you so much more. As his people. He doesn't want us to be ripped off. The Bible tells us God wants to give us deep spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that's only through his word. God wants to give us his counsel. God wants to give us spiritual strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we can grieve that if we're in sin. We'll be lacking. But you see, it starts with holiness and reverence. I have to have a holiness and reverence for God. I have to run from sin. Cling to God. James chapter 1 verse 15 says, And then, speaking of temptation, And then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Again, there's that area of allurement. Desire is conceived right here in my heart. It gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. That's a warning to the church. That's James, the brother of our Lord. I could write a one-page book and the purpose of life for you and for me. One page. We're all called to glorify God. That's what we're called to do. That's our chief purpose in life, to glorify God. So as Christians, when we blow it, when our, when our, our friends, our coworkers, our family, they, they'll, see, they'll, they'll see us blow it, they'll say, and you're supposed to be a Christian. And you're supposed to be a Christian. Why? Because I'm not glorifying God. Why? Because I'm, sin- I'm sinning. And I realize I, 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 my error and I need the Lord to change me and transform me. Why? Because when we sin, we don't give God glory. And so I want to encourage you to have that right mindset when it comes to sin. A lot of times we say, oh, well, we're under grace. We're under grace. Really? And you keep doing the things you do? Look what God, God's people in the book of, in the Old Testament there were, there were his people. And what did he say? You're, you guys are playing the harlot. You're playing the harlot. You're committing spiritual adultery. You know, that's where I, I had to examine my life this week. Am I spending time with you, Lord? I'm the bride of Christ. What kind of bride am I? Am I spending time with you, Lord? 
Or do I just, am I going through the motions? And really, I, I had to be on my knees. This, again, that, this message is for me. But it's for all of us because it's His Word. And God loves us and He wants to warn us and keep us from danger. That's how good God is. It says the kindness of God leads us to repentance. So I want to encourage you, be in the Word. Forsake sin and glorify God. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for this text, Lord. We thank you that you've given us your word. Father, help us to help us to love your instructions. Help us to take heed to the things that you speak about here. Father, help us to have a teachable heart when we're in error, in area, any area of sin to be corrected by you. We pray for the moving of your Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord, that you would convict us of sin and judgment and righteousness, Lord. And Father, that we would turn, that we would be a yielding people. Father, that we would be an obedient people. A church that hears your voice. Obeys what is taught through your word. That we would have humble hearts. That we would really be listening to what you have to say. Father, we thank you for bringing us out of darkness and bringing us into a marvelous light. Help us not to go back. Help us not to take sin lightly. Father, we thank you for your grace, but Father, help us to understand your grace. And you're merciful. Father, we come before you Seeking your mercy. Seeking your wisdom, your help. Father, I thank you that you speak. And you're not willing that any should perish. And you give the offer of eternal life for those who recognize they're sinners and they miss the mark of moral perfection. And if they were to die tonight, that they wouldn't be in heaven they would stand before your judgment. But Father, we thank you that you've given an opportunity that today if they would hear your voice and not harden their hearts, that they would be saved. So as we worship this morning, Lord, we pray, Lord, you would speak to hearts. Those of you who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord, as we worship you ponder the message where you're at with the Lord. And if you need to come forward, this is your opportunity. For no one is promised tomorrow. So as a worship team plays, let's, let's worship. But also examine our hearts. We'll say a simple prayer of faith. God will forgive you of all your sins and you'll be white as snow. As Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says. And you could 
receive the inheritance of a son or a daughter this morning. So as the worship team plays, if the Lord is speaking to your heart, you come.